Welcome to Chronosphere Fiction. This is your host, Daniel French. In Gafgarn, the Eternally Unfurnished, after our friends had busted up a little bit of the city of Hosto, they had to meet up with Baron Mardu, who then let them know they are no longer allowed to chase the albino jester through his city. Even Captain Tedev didn't seem very happy with that. So let's find out what happens next in Gafgarn, the Eternally Unfurnished. Chapter 5.2 A light drizzle accompanied the group's return to the two buildings that comprised the library, the afternoon maintaining the day's interminable gloom. Guards milled about outside, reporting to Captain Tediv that none had been permitted to leave either building. They entered the building where Aleda had given chase to find several more guards standing around an old man in simple robes. Aleda recognized him as the one who had yelled after AJ as he fled, Saying something about a stolen book, the group moved to greet the aged librarian. A guard spoke. Sir, this is the one said he may know where the jester hides. Captain Tedev looked at the old man, who sat and fidgeted nervously, and declared, Name? Eppard! Explain yourself, and plainly please, we have work to do. In the wing, across the street, what was joined by that bridge, and a small cellar for storage is an entrance to the ancient catacombs. Older than the city itself. You move one of the shelves. It takes some strength. Then there's a doorway in the rock. Leads to underground passages. What's the nature of these passages? None know about them. But I and most of Baron's private guard at the estate. Mostly abandoned. Many passages collapsed and unstable. One leads out of hostel. Beyond the walls somewhere. I had an interest in them in my younger years. But there's not but rubble and darkness down there. Whatever their original purpose, it's just a path for smuggling and secrecy now. So one way in, one way out. You're sure of this? Yes. This city's been leveled in the past. Such is war. Must have caused all the cave-ins. It would take a serious excavation to open any other ways. And Mardu uses it rarely as it is. Take us there, then. The man rose and tottered out of the building with the captain in tow. The others followed, Leda taking a moment to retrieve her bola still wrapped around the twisting handrail. Outside, the group followed the bent figure around the building. Soon they came to the heap, formerly known as the bridge that linked the two library wings. Workmen that had been brought to the site now lugged wood and hefted beams into organized piles. Ebert, still shaking from nervousness and age, led them further around the second building and into a doorway. Inside, this wing looked similar to the last. The biggest difference, an open trap door in the floor in a corner. Guards milled about here as well, saluting Captain Tedev as the group passed to the trapdoor. A ladder led down into a cramped space crowded with crates, chairs, a spare table, and shelves of candles, ink, and parchment. Ebert motioned towards the shelf loaded with candles, and Captain Tedev called for two guards to move it. With effort, they slid it aside to reveal a ragged archway in the rock leading into pitch blackness. Captain Tedev ordered the two guards to remain while the group continued on. He demanded Ebert keep to his side, and that several candelabras be taken to light the way. The crew delved carefully through the cramped hall. Gafgarn hunched slightly to keep from hitting his head on the rough-hewn low ceiling. Even with the dancing lights, the darkness was oppressive. 
revealing only a few feet in any direction. The librarian tottered behind Captain Tedev, craning his neck to see beyond the group, pointing to the proper direction whenever they came to a split or an intersection. No one spoke and they stepped lightly, moving slowly to keep from making any noise. For some time they traveled, finding no sign that anyone had come before them. How much farther, old man? Captain Tedev whispered. Ebert squeaked through panting, nervous tiredness. <sighs> Not much. This should be a chamber. Then a straight path. <laughs> a deep-throated chuckle echoed through the hall, snaking around the group, raising hairs on each neck. Captain Tedev motioned the group to halt, and all craned to see into the darkness ahead. Gafgarn awkwardly turned to look back the way they came to Sully and Doran covering the rear. Sully held a candelabra out in a feeble attempt to pierce the blackness, then turned to lock eyes with Gafgarn and shrug. He turned back to see Captain Tedev looking his way and gave as much of a nod as he could, indicating that they should continue. Minutes passed, and another chuckle rumbled through the halls. <laughs> it was easier this time to tell it came from ahead of them. Captain Tedev carefully and silently unsheathed his sword and led the group into the dark. The laughing continued more frequently now, goading them. <laughs> Heavy with impish imperiousness, it caused Gafgarn's brow to furl and nostrils to flare in irritation. Aleda hefted her sword and shield, and Wither's fingers danced in anticipation. Past another crumbled pathway, turning into another path at an intersection, the laughing continued to creep through the halls like a stalker. <laughs> Finally, they stopped at a three-way intersection, Ebert pointing around the corner to a wider hall at a startling sight. Two rows of simple wooden chairs stood face to face, their backrests against the stone walls, extending into the black and blocking the entire path. Captain Tedev shoved his light out into the hall above the chairs to look as deep as he could, but the chairs continued beyond their sight. Ebert, you or anyone you know put these here for any reason? Aleda asked in a hushed tone. Her eye positioned just so to see through the bodies in front of her. Mm, no, this hall is usually clear. We've no use for chairs down here. No one sits around in the dark. Our pastime is reading, after all. No meeting place for Mardu's cronies, old boy. Ebert scratched his hairy chin. Mm, none of my business, if there were. But they use the catacombs for smuggling and sneaking out of the city. I don't think the Baron let anyone he worked with outside of the city into the catacombs anyway. Better to keep the entrance hidden in case some crook got wise. Gafgarn gazed back at Sully and Dorden with a questioning glance that appeared all the more threatening as shadows danced across his face. Then he asked in a whisper that nonetheless carried the stony presence of his voice. Smidgen ever come in here? Your band? Anyone? No, sir. Gaff, I don't think so. Times we met with Mardu's folk, we're in the forest or the camp. Deal was the Baron would work with us. But only on his terms. Smidgen never really cared for the city here. Already had his own turf. And with the extra information and gear, we could waylay some nice caravans. And then he'd pay you. Supplies or gold? Oi! They all looked down the tunnel, the chairs seeming to dance in the flickering light of their candles. Another throaty cackle, full of self-assured excitement, rumbled through the halls. <laughs> there was no mistaking where the laugh came from though it radiated from beyond those chairs. Any way around? Ever down that way? No, just a cave-in. This here is the way to the exit. What's wrong, Gaffy? 
AJ's voice, full of glee, echoed around them. You seem stressed out. You should have a seat. Take a load off. Then he peeled into a brief, mocking fit of laughter. <laughs> Gafgarn rumbled with the rage boiling up inside him. He reached for his hammer with one hand, but stopped as he realized AJ would be long gone before he could smash his way down that hall. Smashing would make him feel better, but he'd have to save it for AJ. The rest of the group could continue, but what would he do? Could he keep searching in the hopes that the crooked librarian was wrong? No. He needed to get down the hall as soon as possible. As crowded as it was with the dreaded chairs, he cracked his neck in anticipation. He lifted a gilded foot above the first two chairs, felt that strange force that pushed him away. As he dropped his boot, he could hear the chairs vibrating against the wall and each other, and he pushed hard against them, their shaking becoming a cacophony of wooden rumblings. And he could see them wobble. His foot slipped off and away from the chairs, and he stamped it on the floor in frustration. He turned and attempted to sit, but was pushed back towards the group. Blasted chairs! There's one thing you can try, and you know it. It won't work! Come now, old boy. Let's just see what this curse of yours will do. Gafgarn huffed as he turned back around, and without hesitation, took a few quick steps and launched himself over the row of chairs. He quickly fell, feeling a force push upwards against his entire body, enough to slow but not stop his descent. The moment his chest hit a seat, he was catapulted upwards into the hard rock ceiling, hitting it like a sack of meat. He fell back down and was repulsed once more, this time catching himself before hitting the ceiling. As he fell again, he could feel the force slowing him, and he bobbed back upward before touching the wood. He bounced in midair for a few moments, each bounce smaller than the next, until he floated gently in the air a hand's length above the chairs. He looked back at his companions, faces struck with surprise, Wither, Sully, and Doran, scarcely stifling a giggle. Aleda nodded her head, betraying herself with a tiny smirk. Let's get going, Gafgarn commanded, as if nothing strange had happened at all. He thought of claiming a candelabra, but dismissed the idea. He'll see me coming, he thought. I'll fly through the air in the dark and surprise him, or he'll be waiting for me. Sully reached him first, having pushed through the group. She moved her hands in the air over and under Gafgarn, looking for something to do with him, but stopped, absolutely dumbfounded. Are we supposed to push you or something? Just follow me. Keep up and ready yourselves. Gafgarn reached out with both arms, his movement causing the chairs below him to rumble again. He grabbed at the sides of the walls and with one Herculean push, launched himself down the hallway. That strange force persisted as he went, pushing up against his body harder if he bobbed closer to the chairs, each emitting a creak or clatter under him. A frown crept into his face as he heard... Knowing that if AJ lay in wait, the sounds might reach him. He thought of readying his hammer, but the movement of reaching back caused him to wobble awkwardly, pitching forward to almost clip his nose on wood. No, better to gain speed and surprise his foe. Again, he pushed himself down the hall, this time with greater force, sending him into a barrel roll like a slow, awkward bird. It was a strange sensation, like he was a boat and the air beneath him water. Until now, he was pushed or shoved, or launched, or a bed or chair would slide or fall as sought to rest upon it. Now he found himself in an odd equilibrium, a weightless stone floating into that clammy abyss to murder or be murdered. As strange as it was, he was ecstatic. Finally, the creek subsided behind him, and that familiar pull to the ground returned. 
In absolute darkness, he fell into a hard roll, coming to slide on his boots into a stony wall. As he collected the wind knocked from his lungs, he hefted his hammer and listened intently. For a few chilling moments, only the occasional clacking of a chair from the approach of his companions far behind reached his ears, until finally something greeted him. About time, AJ's voice called from the darkness with the friendly timber of one calmly entertained. We've been waiting for you for a while now. Silly you didn't bring a light with you. You were loud enough floating in here. I wish I could have seen it, but I guess I've seen your kind of flight before. I'm a huge fan, really. It'd be great to give that monster a hand a shake. Unfortunately, I have a problem, as we've not brought a light either. We, thought Gafgarn. Who else is with him? AJ seemed like one who worked alone. Then Gafgarn's thoughts moved to Wither's sister. If she was in that room as a hostage, that would complicate things. Gafgarn stepped forward into nothing, making no sound as he went. You really are a hoot, buddy. You don't think you can find me in this, can you? As much as I'd like to formally meet, I do have something else I need to attend to. I was worried about leaving my friend here alone, but now that you're here, I know he's in good hands. You should take a seat with him. He's sure got a lot to tell you. Gafgarn stepped further into the darkness towards some unseen point where he knew the gesture would be. Now, now, I told you I wouldn't leave you alone. No need to get upset. I'll be around. You can believe that. You're just too much fun. I just have to know if you'll ever sit in your own throne again. Let the professor know I'm taking good care of his little girl. Would you? Toodles! The sound of light footsteps resounded off the wall, each a reverberating decrescendo of the previous. Gafgarn sprinted forward into the dark nothingness, chasing the receding sound. It seemed his run brought him no closer, the pitter-patter of AJ's retreat becoming even quieter until finally a much louder, much more present sound halted Gafgarn's pursuit. It was like the earth cracking in half, roaring from the space ahead and shaking the floor beneath Gafgarn's boots. Worse, a billowing wall of dust and air slammed into Gafgarn like a storm. He staggered and covered his face, cursing the dust as it stung the skin and choked the lungs. Dust was almost worse than AJ. It could never be squished. Weak light permeated the dark behind Gafgarn. The sound of skidding chairs and fast, heavy steps following it. He turned to see Sully hopping from the hall of chairs into the chamber. Candelabra held high and knife poised low. Aleda and Wither followed, a sword bared and wrist bows raised. Doran, Captain Tedev, and Ebert close behind, their curious faces peering from around the corner. Earthquake? Sully asked her eyes darting in all directions. No, dear, that would not be the rumbling of anything produced by nature. That would be the product of an ingenious concoction from a place very foreign and unreachable for most of the kingdoms. That murderous swine is a madman, Aleda growled between clenched teeth. Oi, what was it then? An explosive, something I would greatly like to get my hands on. How AJ got one is beyond me, but it seems he's used it ahead. Which undoubtedly means... The tunnels collapsed. Gafgarn finished as he stepped from the dark into the light like a great stony shadow. You know of explosives, old boy? Only rumors. Something that can move and break stone and light the sky. Simple tricks, old boy. If only they'd trade their secrets. I could teach them a thing or two about ingenuity. 
Withers' voice rasped with the thirst of a parched man glancing life-giving waters across an impossible chasm. That's nice, but I think you guys should take a look at this. She held the flickering light before her and marched, motioning Captain Tedov to follow. Together their flames revealed the chamber, the center of it occupied by a single man clad in half-plate armor, his hands bound behind him as he sat in the same type of chair as was crowding that long hallway. His head hung low, and the remnants of perspiration dripped from the ridge of his nose and black hair that hung over his face. Firelight revealed bruises, a cut lip, and a dark deluge of fresh blood glistening on his tarnished breastplate and dripping onto the floor. A sword lay nearby next to an extinguished torch, and crumpled by a distant wall were two more armored, bloodied bodies. Captain Tedev rushed to those against the wall, then to the man settled into the chair. Good men, these. Rare in these parts. I thought this A.J. to be just a knife in the dark, an assassin that kills and runs. These would have put up a fight. Not enough. Not for A.J. Liver-spotted, fickle-warming henchpig. Why is he in a chair? Doran asked, gesturing at the macabre scene. So was that tentacle head, right? The gesture's got a thing for reclining. The lady and Wither looked at Gafgarn knowingly, but none responded. Gafgarn took the candelabra from Sully and walked around the room finding only one exit other than the collapsed path and the chair-ridden hallway, and this one already blocked by rubble. He kicked the stone and grunted, returning to the group to announce, There's no chasing him from here. Librarian, where does that path go? Gafgar nodded his head the way AJ had fled. Out, I'm sure. If he went that way, he's out of the city most likely. What was the book that AJ took? What? All right, the night before. He had stayed late. I'd never seen him before. But the library's public. He picked out several tomes, history books, and memoirs from the ancient war. The rebellion that broke the empire and gave birth to the kingdoms. I didn't notice him leave, but one of the books I saw him with was missing. What was it, old boy? Arming Chaos, it was. A journal of a famous blacksmith of those times. It's considered a chronicle of old techniques and styles. Tracks some events, but otherwise reveals little about anyone or anything particularly important. Important is relative, old boy, Withers said, his eyes communicating a hidden understanding to Gafgarn and Aleda. All three of them looked down at Gafgarn's boots, glinting in the candlelight as if just polished. In any case, not much we can do here, is there? No, Captain Tedev stated, with a hint of resigned sadness. We should report back to the Baron. I'll have my men take care of the dead. Oh, boy. Sully said sarcastically. I'm really excited to see that thing again. What would the Baron think of their failure? What might he do? As they trudged through Hosto's streets, underneath a sky just beginning to hint at the approaching evening, they knew they would find out. But when they returned to the manse in the middle of the city, they were met with a different scene than expected. The courtyard bristled with the leather clad and cloaked, all forms of weapon drawn, each at their highest guard. There had been a death in the yard, it seemed. Two guards at the rear of the estate slain quietly, their bodies only just discovered, and something worse. Inside, the shady folk ran about, investigating every corner and nook with the particularly grumpy retinue in the upper halls crowding the bulging baron's doorway. Beyond, Gafgarn and his companions found a most peculiar but eerily familiar scene. The baron and four of his henchmen were slumped into chairs, dead from knife wounds, arranged around the impressive desk as if in a meeting. The strangest detail, however, was a small note 
written in ink in the most elegant, flowing handwriting anyone alive or dead in that room had ever seen. The note was pinned to Baron Mardu by his own knife, and it read, Even in death, they know more comfort than you. And Gafgarn noted, those pristine gauntlets with a shocking likeness to his cursed boots were nowhere to be found. Gee, I wonder where those gauntlets went. The credits for Gafgarn the Eternally Unfurnished are as follows. Your narrator, the voices of Gafgarn, AJ, Wither, Captain Tediv, Dorin, Ebbard, and Baron Mardu are Mike Bethel. Elada is Julia Eve. This week, the part of Sully was played by a new cast member, Alexis Bird. Music, sound effects, and production are by myself, Daniel French. Gafgar and the Eternally Unfurnished is written by my son, Jeremiah French. Please subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. If you have comments or questions, or you'd like to submit a story to Chronosphere Fiction, email us at chronosphere.fiction at cox.net, C-O-X. See you next time. Keep your cosmos clean.